I have been thinking a lot about the political problem today, and I don't have anything much worked out, although I can say that there are some books that I've read in the last, say, six months that have been helpful. Uh, uh, The political philosopher and political scientist at Stanford, Francis Fukuyama, who wrote back in the 90s, um, he wrote uh, the, what was it? The End of Democracy? I can't even remember now. And The Last Man. The End of History, sorry. I I don't take notes when I do these things, so who knows what the heck's going to come out of my mouth. The End of History and The Last Man, which I thought was brilliant. Um, And then it was, it was, after 9/11 I think a lot of a lot of people went back and used that as an example of short-sighted thinking on the part of uh in a you know an American intellectual like Fukuyama and I think they were wrong to do that basically what he argued in the end of history was that um in terms of political organization a liberal democracy and by liberal I don't mean on the American political spectrum of left and right I mean liberal as in as opposed to the aristocracy and the king <laughs> um as in the idea that we all have equal status under the law the rule of law um empowerment for political power through vote and so on the basic constituents of a constitution he argued that the the final the sort of there was no better organization politically than a liberal democracy and so whatever flaws we found in liberal democracy all of the any attempts to replace it with some other uh political organization would be actually going backwards and so hence the end of history not that history was coming to an end as in the human race was coming to an end but that our our search since basically the beginning of civilization for a a, a political structure within which we could live and thrive will do no better probably given given who we are given the planet and given uh, given everything we know about our social our social being our social organization our our the ways in which we organize socially the best we will be able to do is something like a liberal democracy which as churchill famously put it is not perfect but it's just better than everything else so he he sort of he sort of argued that and then he took up as the big challenge to liberal democracy something called thumos which is a word that goes all the way back to the ancient greeks and where uh, Plato argued that part of the, there's a tripart division of the soul into desire and rationality. And then there was a third uh, part of the soul that seeks recognition. And he called that thumos. And thumos is different than uh, being thirsty when you're, when you don't, when you, you know, wanting water when you're thirsty and it's different than reasoning through a problem and using your mind to be, to be rational and to calculate things based on what makes sense. Thumos doesn't necessarily make sense. And 
it is not simply reducible to say economic need as many economists would have it. So if you're in the Marxian tradition, you'll say that ultimately everything that's wrong with people is, is that they're, they're denied in, in, you know, whatever society they find themselves in, they realize that they're the have nots, uh, in, in terms of material wealth. And so since we want, we need material wealth to satisfy our desires, hunger, thirst, so on, finding a good mate, like almost everything involves money in modern society, then being a have not in that structure is going to basically be the, the, the root of all evil. And so, but if you're, if you're looking at the soul in, in the way that Fukuyama does, tracing it back to the ancient, ancient Greeks, that you're going to say that there's this leftover part that's actually more fundamental, which he calls a desire for recognition or in the Greek, uh, thumos. And so Fukuyama was important for me because he argues, he wrote a book, in fact, um, more recently in 2014, I think, called Identity, the Demand for Dignity and the Politics of Resentment. And what he's arguing is, is that we can't really make sense of what's going on in our modern liberal democracy circa 2014. And I think it's even more relevant today unless we see the struggles and the discussions as being a, a, an expression, a very, very basic expression of thumos and not, not economics and not certainly a, a purely rational discussion. So someone like Sam Harris, who thinks that what we need to do is come together and reason while admirable, I think is probably not understanding that these more basic parts of our soul, whether you take soul metaphorically or metaphysically, doesn't really matter in this case, are, are really what's driving the discussion. It's really what's driving all the creation of our, of the tension and the problems. So Fukuyama has been very important uh, for me in understanding that people are desiring this kind of recognition. Now, the problem with desiring recognition is, is it's only gonna, it can only take a few forms in society. And effectively, it, ha it, the, it functions only by interconnection or it functions only in community. So you can't get recognition unless there's somebody to recognize you. So you can't really satisfy your need for thumo the, the thumos or the, I don't know, thumotic part of your soul in isolation. It comes out in society. So one of the things he mentioned is that the desire for recognition does not present itself as such a an insuperable problem if you're living in a traditional culture. So if you are, if you're born into a farming community, for instance, you have a role that's been assigned to you. You, you know, you're either, you know, overseeing the flock or you're planting the field or you're, you know, you're doing something that fulfills a role in the culture that's basically been assigned to you since you were born into your family. And so it never really comes up to you like who it never really rises in your consciousness with any great force. Who am I and who am I compared to other people? You just are who you are in a social structure that functions as it functions. And that may seem boring and even a little bit tragic, but for many thousands of years, this is how the world worked. This is how people came to understand themselves. So with the Industrial Revolution, 
people start flooding into cities and they start taking jobs and then suddenly they don't have a comfortable placement in the social structure. They're sort of away from their families. They're now suddenly confronted with this question of who am I as an individual? And they can see around them much more clearly that there are many answers to this question. There's almost as many answers to this question as there are people asking in a, in a large city. And so you, you have, you develop this sense of, of, uh, this keener and more problematic sense of, uh, of your individual, who you are as an individual, as opposed to your functioning in a group. And that by degrees can lead to the expression of thumos overtaking the other parts of your soul in particular rationality and he fukuyama thinks this is one of the key problems that we're having today um so we don't have an answer to this question except for in a liberal democracy what he calls isothumos or everyone is equal in an aristocracy which won't you could argue that at least in a in a strict sense of the word or a, a kind of social structural sense of the word I don't want to get into gobbledygook language here, but I'm searching for the right words. You could you could argue that there are no more real aristocratic societies left, right? In the sense that people really take seriously that there are some people who are just better than other people. And, um, you know, that that almost seems like a weird foreign alien idea to us steeped as we are in a tradition of liberal democracy for the last 300 years and really going back into the common law tradition of England, which reaches back into the, uh, the Middle Ages. So, so aristocracy gives you an expression of megalith- megalithumia, which is a desire to be seen as better than other people, <laughs> right? And uh, isothumia gives you an expression of effectively what we mean by equal rights, a desire to be seen as equal in the eyes of other people. And so isothumia finds expression, although uncomfortably, in a liberal democracy, in, in the rights discussions, like, well, I have a right to you know, like what, just anything like, why should women make 70 cents on the dollar? I have a right to make a dollar, you know, just any, name any pressing social issue that's, that is, that is a discussion about rights. And you will find at the root of that, some, some version of isothumia, I want to be seen as equal to you. And what Fukuyama says is that we, we exist on that sort of like walking on the, the edge of a razor, like we're, we're, it is extremely precarious situation to really, to have isothumia, isothumia functioning correctly. Because one of the problems with it is the desire to be seen as equal to everyone else is that we're not equal. And the, one of the main reasons we're not equal is that the production of excellence in the society is not uh, uniformly distributed. So let me say that in English. Some people do better things and more important things and are smarter and prove it. And they do that. And you can see it. Not everyone solves, you know, centuries old 
physics problem like physics problems like Einstein or invents the modern computer like Alan Turing in Britain or John von Neumann, who's of Hungarian descent, but of course was part of the Manhattan Project. He helped work on the bomb and also helped develop one of the world's first digital computers that actually was able to use its stored memory in the, the program that you write actually also contains the memory which basically is the modern computer. And he's one of the first, I think, for that design. And you can go on and on and on to people who are, you know, able to, you know, be intelligent and effective leaders in the society, business leaders, scientists, writers, artists, Olympic gold medalists, like people, you know, people produce excellence they pursue and produce excellence and some are better at that than others because of gifts that they have uh through no fault of their own so you have an you have you're confronted immediately with an unequal distribution of excellence and um that pro that causes an immediate problem for the desire for recognition now if the desire for recognition isn't paramount if it's not the thing that everybody is striving for and everybody is 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 uh, exercised by and animated by and angry about then it's not such a problem but if this is the thing that is driving a discussion in a nation such as it is today such as our nation then it needs to find an expression and if and it can't and it's confronted with the problem that some people basically just as a as a simple observational fact some people just are better than other people at a lot of things so you have to root somehow the idea that we're equal we're all equal under the law and some we we have to root it in some very minimalist very very shrunken idea that no we're not equal in the sense that i can run the 100 meter dash as well as you know hussein bolt Right? No, I mean, I don't mean that by equality because clearly I'd be a lunatic. I can't do that. Um, I mean that, you know, if I'm accused of a crime and Hussein Bolt is accused of a crime, we're both equal under the law. So we have this sense in which we have equal recognition by the system in, that we live in, by the society that we, within which we live. Um, but the, so the problem with this, this is usually called that somebody like Thomas Sowell might call this like equal opportunity. And many people would call this like equal opportunity. So we have these rights that are sort of, that are, they're, they're not positive rights that I can have certain things, but they're negative rights that you can't take certain things away from me. And I, you know, like, so I, if I want to go and, and, um, you know, meet in public, and if I want to exercise my free speech, I can write something and so on. So this is apart from excellence. This is just like I am able to do things in a society that recognizes inalienable rights of individuals. And so that's where sort of our desire for recognition has to stay. It can't really, really move past that in any systematic sense. But what happens, of course, is is that people aren't satisfied with that. And so it very easily and naturally spills over into a striving to find a way to be recognized as special somehow. So in a liberal democracy, and certainly in the United States, we see this everywhere in terms of like, I wanna be recognized because of some group that I'm in that's 
not the group, not the, not the liberal democracy of which I am a member or the nation of which I am a citizen, but because of the color of my skin. So I'm not just a guy who has the right to free assembly. I'm a Swedish man in my case, right? Like, and so somehow this is my way of saying like, I deserve some special recognition as being a member of this group. And, um, oh, and by the way, this group is not recognized enough, right? And this group, and, and then you get into situations which are very understandable. I mean, some groups can point to a history where like, for instance, African-Americans point to slavery. Well, there is no more slavery. Slavery was banned in the, what, 17th century? No, sorry, 18th century. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. The importation of slaves was, it was banned outright after the Civil War in the 19th century. Well, that's over 100 years ago. That's 150 years ago. So what are we talking about? Well, the, the problem is, is that thumos, the desire for recognition, is not rationality. It's not looking at things like, yeah, that was done 150 years ago. And it's not just the idea of material, right? So an example, just a quick aside, an example that Fukuyama uses is, you know, in the Me Too movement, um, Marx would have a hard time understanding a woman who was rich and powerful and a man who was rich and powerful. And then the man looked at the woman only as how, you know, only for how she looked or in some physical way and didn't, you know, see all of her other gifts. And then therefore the, the woman felt extremely oppressed by that man in that situation and is indignant and, you know, it joins the Me Too movement because of something that happened, you know, in the office. But in fact, that, that woman having all the power of the society in an economic sense, that, that, doesn't, that would not make sense in the economic analysis or what, go, what Fukuyama traces back to our desire for material sustenance, money, basically. We're not going out and shooting our own food. So we need money in order to satisfy our desires for thir- you know, our desire to not die of dehydration, you know, minimally and, and hunger and so on. Right. So, but that isn't an adequate analysis of Thumos either. Like the desire for recognition, as in the case of the woman who is, you know, she could be vice president of the company and she, and she has all the recognition in the world, but in some particular case, she feels victimized. Um, and so she must be identifying with something other than an economic, or a rational idea. She must be identifying with this idea of I'm a member of the, cl- of, of the class of women. Like I'm a member in this group of females and we have not been historically recognized in certain ways by this other group, the victimizers, the men. And so you, you, Ultimately, those kinds of discussions that play out endlessly on social media and in the and in the workforce, in the office, outside the office, in politics, all those kind of discussions, and certainly and probably most importantly, the discussion of ethnicity, all those are playing out in terms of this desire of recognition that doesn't make sense if you look at it in terms of fixing the law or if you look at it in terms of meeting needs and be having access to economic opportunity, like none of those really, none of that discussion really makes sense. The, the emotional quality of that discussion can only be understood as a 
exercise of, of the desire for recognition or thumos and, and of thumos taking root in something that is no longer actually what's allowable and healthy in a liberal democracy, which is equal, equal opportunity economically and equal rights under the law. So we don't have prejudiced laws against race, the color of your skin, gender, and so on, disabilities, and so on. All of that has been taken care of. It would be rather insane, quite frankly, to argue that we're living in a kind of world, world that didn't take care of those sorts of legally, you know, equal opportunity economically and legally. What we have instead is this idea that recognition was not satisfied by that liberal democratic idea. And I think this is the real, real threat to democracy itself. It's a kind of existential threat to the modern world, in fact, is that people now are circling all the way back to that original idea of being in the village and then coming into the city and saying, who am I? And I need more recognition. I'm confused about who I am and I need to understand who I am in some sense that's been lost. It's been, there's some important sense in which this question has been unanswered, unanswerable and lost. And so uh, now we see the most basic ideas have resurfaced only in the context of this large city. So now people are saying again, like my desire for recognition is rooted in the color of my skin and my tribe, right? But whereas if you really were in a tribe a thousand years ago, the, that would cause you no problem unless you came into contact with the other and then you would have some kind of skirmish or war or battle where, you know, those people with this color skin, we, these two different tribes, you know, will fight each other because of perceived differences and so on. Whereas in the past, that would, that would never really enter into this crisis of identity in the village or in the tribe. Now we have how many tribes and all existing under this umbrella of liberal democratic principles of equality. And so the desire for recognition now making that the forefront issue is actually directly threatening the principles upon which we can all organize and, you know, form a single unitary discussion in society. We have to have shared we have to have a shared language and shared culture and shared meaning in order for us to do this. And we have to all agree that our rights in the legal and political sense have been satisfied. So we're living in a roughly just society. What's left over is my desire for recognition. But if I root that in something like my past oppression, my status as a woman or a man, my status as a brown person or a black person, or a white person, if, we, if I root that in something like that, we're never going to get satisfaction in a little liberal democracy for questions like that. And there's going to be an interminable and, and, and never ceasing argument like a, like a scab that continually gets picked because it can't be satisfied. The only way to satisfy thumos in a modern society is through the pursuit of excellence. And that again is in a fundamental tension with the idea of an equality of, you know, equality of outcome or an idea that everybody can be equally recognized in the, the bigger sense. People can only be recognized in the minimalist sense in a modern society as 
having equal status under the laws of the of of the society they cannot be recognized in the sense of i want equal recognition for people who do better things for people who produce more excellent more excellence in the society we can't be recognized that way uh, if we were having that discussion that everybody would be sending their kids to the best possible school and we would be rooting out all of this political correctness post haste immediately because it would be threatening our clear vision of the goal we want to attain, which is to produce the most excellence we can, <laughs> which is the ultimate goal. Right. Um, but we, but, but, uh, so we're, so yeah, so we're in a situation where I think that what's governing what the, what's making people angry, it's expresses all this rights talk, but the right stuff was satisfied. What's made making people angry is we're in this confusing situation of wanting of having thumos be the defining part of the discussion. This is the part of ourselves that we want to talk about. My identity, that's what I want to talk about. But we can't get anywhere by making that a tribal discussion, a discussion about gender or race or any of these things, disability, like any of those categories that are traditional politic, political categories, right? None of that stuff actually can be discussed in a clear way anymore because those laws have been fixed. So the discussion has to turn in this ugly way back to this kind of tribal situation where you find yourself living in a society where you can't get enough recognition. So you form a group and then you start getting and then you start becoming basically militant and angry that that group doesn't have the recognition it deserves. And that's a game you can't win. Not in a liberal democracy. It's a game that leads to war. It's a game that in tribal situations was only solved by they would remove each other geographically. Someone would go there and the other person would go over that hill. And we can't do that now. And so we have to find a, we have to find a way to get along. And you know what I'm struggling with is wow, how to convince people that they should stop, that's a bad game to be playing and they should stop playing it. How to convince people that what we wanna do is refix our sights on excellence, whatever the skin color, whatever the situation is for this, this, um, this desire for recognition that expressed itself tribally. However that stuff plays out, let's fix our sights on something that's excellent. Right. So just a final thought here. Almost every period in history that experiences a re renaissance, a renaissance, a return to the past, <clears throat> which is grounded in uncovering all that which was good, irrespective of tribalism and nationalism and so on. Right. Every society that has taken seriously excellence and typically that involves looking for evidence of that in the great parts of the past. So the Renaissance in Italy was, ironically, it was a return to looking at the great literature, science, art, everything from the classic age, the Greek and Roman age. And it was ironic because the people who were actually spearheading that often were Christian monks people who were in charge of copying books and so on. And they were trying to uncover all this old, um, Petrarch was, was someone who, uh, did probably 
more advanced this cause than anyone else of uncovering all antiquity. And what he was looking for is not evidence of people having, you know, being Italian. He was looking for evidence of the Greek and Roman culture that produced excellence of looking for that in order to bring it back to life in the present era. He was looking for things that were independent of all the stuff we're talking about today. A great book is a great book is a great book. And so if you have that idea and then you have a kind of renaissance in your culture where you're striving to find the best and then to go even farther and to advance that goal, right? To produce excellence in the, in your, in the world, the contemporary world and to aim for it in the future, like things are going to get better. Your society is going to grow strong in ways that you can't believe. On the other hand, if you do what Hitler did and you reach back into history in a racial sense, notice the connection between Hitler and so much of the discussion today. One of the supreme ironies is that one of Hitler's, probably Hitler's major flaw, besides being a little bit insane and, you know, megalomaniac, um, but what the flaw in his thinking was that when you have a renaissance, you look back at the German people, the Germanic people, the people with blue eyes and blonde hair and so on, you know, and so when you look back in this tribal sense, you never get the society you want in the future and you never get what you're looking for. What he, what Hitler wanted to do was combine this, this sort of national genetic racial idea of the German that what Nietzsche called the Ubermensch, the Overman this German who was naturally racially superior and who, by the way, who made, you know, made frequent, he made, he did make reference to Darwinism. And this was in the air in the 1930s when this was all happening and taking shape, this idea of the superior race. But when Hitler's big mistake was to ground that idea, was to attach the idea of finding excellence in your history to the idea of, of your race this is exactly what everyone is doing today. This is like, I'm not saying that it's going to become Hitlerized, whatever that means. I'm saying that it's a complete flaw. Like this is the flaw that has given us some of the worst ideas in modern history. And it's the one that everyone is embracing only now under the banner of some weird equality, which is some twisted version of Thumos, which is an impossible way to answer the question of identity in a liberal democracy. You know, faced with this is I'll end with this faced with the satisfaction of the of the equality of opportunity under law and 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 under the politic, right under politics, you then can only organize yourself in terms of this question of identity, in terms of this question of recognition. The only card you have left to play in a liberal democracy is the respect and the pursuit of excellence irrespective of recognition in any tribal sense. So to, to start grounding the discussion today in, tri- in these tribal categories is a fatal flaw for democracy. It's going to bring down the ship. And so that's what I'm working with.